It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, sweet one. Now, let me continue reading on with Chapter 3 about a fat man's pleasures. But, someone protest, doesn't that being fat interfere with a lot of things you would like to do? How about traveling? Don't you experience a lot of discomfort? Not at all. I've done perhaps far more traveling than the average citizen, riding in all sorts of vehicles in many parts of the world, and I have never been uncomfortable yet. It is true that the little Scandinavian pony that pulled me round over the mountains of Norway had looked unhappy, but I enjoyed the experience. And when I traveled all over New York City, 3,000 feet in the air in a hydroplane, I was perfectly comfortable, even through the way I climbed from a bobbing launch into the hydroplane seat may not have been as graceful as the entrance of the rest of the party. And when I cross the country to California, you'll find me in a compartment or a drawing room. For like all fat men, I don't look on money as a thing to be saved, but be spent as a means of procuring comfort. If I had gone abroad before the liner is two days out, I'm on good terms with two-thirds of the passengers. Somehow, a fat man is far easier to get acquainted with than a thin man. If he doesn't speak first to his fellow travelers, they just naturally up and speak to him. Let a thin man address a beautiful stranger and invite her to play shuffleboard, and she'll snub him promptly, suspecting that he's trying to flirt with her. But she'll accept a fat man's invitation every time. She knows, as everybody instinctively knows, that fat men are safe and reliable. So a fat man can say almost anything to anybody, anywhere. When I am traveling by train and I go into the Pullman smoker, I generally find that there are a lot of thin people sitting around in silence, looking suspiciously at each other. Every mother's son of them, lonesome as a dickens for someone to talk to, and wishing somebody would start something. Two minutes after I arrive, everybody is talking at once, all of them chummy as brother elves at the annual picnic. Being fat keeps you from doing a lot of silly things when you are traveling. Once I recall, it was away up inside the Arctic Circle. Most of the people in the party had been beguiled by the guides into the climbing, the bit of rock they call the North Cape, on the promise of a wonderful view of the midnight sun from the summit. While they were perspiringly climbing the steep path, I sat in comfort on the deck of the yacht, fishing and bringing up from their Arctic depths all sorts of strange and wonderful fish that I had never seen before. Presently, one by one, my fellow travelers came, straggling back, breathless, tired, and disappointed. By the time they had reached the top of the fog, 
had risen, and there was nothing to be seen. I guess you were the most sensible one after all, they said. Of course I was the most sensible. I am a fat man. In the fat man's philosophy, nothing is worth doing that is apt to cause him any discomfort. So when he travels, he escapes the silly traps that most people let themselves in for. As a matter of fact, when he comes to traveling, the stout man outshines the thin man every time. Didn't Theodore Roosevelt, when he weighed over 200 once upon a time, travel 13,383 miles through 22 states in a few weeks, delivering 400 speeches and meeting 3 million people and shaking hands with thousands of them, returning to Washington fatter than when he started out? If a thin man had tried to keep up with him, he would have gotten worn out in the shadow and would have gotten over it for a year. Fat men have far greater powers of endurance. Fat is the reserve that nature puts by for them to draw on. Experience has taught me that not only is traveling, but in daily life, a fat man dodges many of the annoying things that other people are always complaining about. Just now, everyone seems to be talking about how bad the movies are. So stupid, I just couldn't sit through it. I've never seen a boresome film. Most of the motion picture theaters are built to squeeze as many people as possible into a limited space, and the seats are seldom designed to fit a fat man. So bad movies never bother me. I never go to them. I may miss the good movies too, but there are compensations. A comfortable chair and a good book make up a lot. Nobody in the world has a better time than a fat man off on a holiday. Where other people get into wordy arguments with ticket agents, he grins and gets some other fellow's reservations. You never see a fat man struggling into the narrow confines of an upper berth. It's there is a lower to be. He has to get it, although more often you will find him spreading his folk into the Pullman drawing room. If on his holiday he happens to choose a lake resort, the pleasures of canoeing may be denied him. Every fat man once in his life tries to get into a canoe and then quits. When you weigh over 200, your center of gravity has a way of shifting unexpectedly with disastrous results. But always there are flat-bottomed boats to fish from and fat men all are fishermen. But I hear some thin man say, with a satisfied smile that being fat must interfere with a lot of some of your amusements. How about golf? I do not know how other fat men feel about golf, but to me it is not an amusement, but an annoyance. It is a game apparently played only by blatant egotists. I know nothing about the game. I never had a golf club in my hand. All I know of it is that my golf-playing friends come to the luncheon table on Monday and monopolize a conversation with tales monotonously the same. I must tell you about the wonderful shot I made on Saturday afternoon. Never yet have I heard of a golf player telling about a wonderful shot that some other fellow made. Most golf players, in my opinion, are boors. They're weak-minded creatures who have so little energy that they have to lure themselves into walking by knocking a silly little white ball ahead of them. 
I'm glad I don't play golf. I might become a fat man with an imagination could read an account of someone else's adventures, getting all the thrills out of it that another fellow had with none of the inconveniences. Nearly all fat men, you'll find, are great readers, but there are other amusements, too. Personally, I spend a good deal of my time playing auction bridge. It has many things to commend it as a pastime. Not only does it provide pleasant exercise for the mind, with the excitement and the thrill afforded by the element of chance, but it affords a never-ending opportunity for amusing character study. To a fat man, the dinner table, too, is a never-ending source of entertainment. A meal with the society of congenial friends and with the assurance of a good dinner and a good appetite, with the leisure from reading and bridge, with a taste for travel and a fondness for fish, the fat man stands ready to get the fullest enjoyment out of life, and most of them, I think, govern themselves and their pleasures by that motto. I once saw carved above the door of the living room of the greatest of all feminine philosophers, Ellen Key, in her home in far-off Sweden. Each day is a life. Well, might we fat men take it for our own, for that is the way we live, enjoying each day as it comes along. And that is where we'll end tonight. Next week I'll continue on with Chapter 4 about this reducing business where he talks about why people want him to reduce his weight and his reactions to that. And now, get some rest, sleep well, good night.